Chapter 19 of the Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Meg Turasek. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 19. Deacon Stew Threatens to Shoot Jemmy. It will be remembered that on a preceding occasion, when Pat O'Connor and Deacon Rob Stew were in conversation at General Armington's house, Judy McCrae suddenly screamed murder in another part of the mansion, which disturbed the two connivers in carrying out their deviltry. Pat O'Connor, who was blarneying Deacon Rob Stew, was delighted that something happened to distract the attention of the deacon's mind from the subject that was under discussion, and it may have been a godsend that Judy McCrae was caused to scream murder at the top of her voice. Pat and the deacon at once repaired to the spot, where Judy was imagining that she was being in a terrible conflict with bloody murderers. But they discovered nothing, except that Judy said she had been tired, and whilst reclining on a lounge fell asleep, and had a horrible dream. No one inquired about the dream, and even Judy herself seemed then not to care or think it of any moment. However, a few weeks later, Judy's mind one day was bewildered, and when Pat asked her what was the matter, she said that the dream she had a few weeks ago impressed her mind so strangely that she could not rest but she could not tell exactly what the dream was like. Pat said, My darling, can ye not tell your Pat what ye seed in your dream? Yes, dear Pat, the ting just come to me mind. I thought I was a-talkin' with the lovely mistress when a dirty, rough man come along and trowin' a murderin' cap over her head. What choked me darling mistress when she could not spake, and I tried to help her, but me body was very stiff, and I could not do nothing for her. When they took her off on a wagon, said Judy McCrae, Darlin' Judy, why did ye not spake of it before now? exclaimed Pat. I have not thought of it, and I am sartin that me lady bees in that place where Jemmy bees over yonder in West Philadelphia, for I mind not that I seed her taked in the wagon to that place, and carried up three stairs, and put in a small room that looks as a prison more than an asylum, said Judy. Ach, Judy, you be a dreamin' just now, laughingly replied Pat. No, Pat, if you love me, be believe me. For I sees me swart lady just now settin' all alone by herself, a weepin' as a child," said Judy, with tears in her eyes and sniffling as though she really was in sympathy with the poor young lady. It may seem curious, but it was nevertheless true, that the spirit of Judy was hovering around Miss Lucinda Armington in a clairvoyant state. And whilst Judy and Pat were talking over these matters, Jemmy, the overseer, knocked at the door, 
and being asked into the room, at once said, My good friends, I have news to tell you. I have watched my chance at the asylum, and when I was authorized to superintend the secret departments, I looked into one of the third-story cells, where, to my sorrow and surprise, I seen your lovely Mistress Armington. Ach, murder, Pat, and have I not told you so? But you would not believe, ejaculated Judy. Jemmy, bedad, you confound me with sick news. Howsomever, I thought that your squally deacon was up to any diviltry, and sure sartin he was the chief apostle in this work of Satan. And sure, it am queer that my darling Judy should be dreaming all about it, responded Pat. Dear Jemmy, did you spake to my lady? asked Judy. No, Judy, dear, I only was wantin' to know if she were there. She were asleep, and I peeped through the door-hole, responded Jemmy. Well, Jemmy, and do you now believe me? When I said them chaps were hypocrites, said Pat. Yes, dear Pat, I believe anything, after having seen Miss Lucinda Armington lying on a cot, tight asleep in that cosy cell. I would tell you that I have also discovered that Mr. Victor Juno be in the new dungeon, in the basement, replied Jemmy. Bloody murder! Be my soul! You knock my brains straight out by telling me all such talk. Do you mean to say that Dr. Victor Juno am caged up within that cellar dungeon? said Pat, half crazed and furiously indignant. Yes, Pat, he is there, but he won't be long coming out of it, if I knows it, exclaimed Jemmy. Jemmy, being a good, honest Christian, would not cooperate with anyone, or work for anyone, whom he found to be dishonest and criminal. Therefore he made up his mind to set Victor Juno and Miss Lucinda Armington at liberty, after which he would leave the asylum. But how to go about this without being exposed, and without danger to the prisoners' lives and future prosperity, was a puzzling question. He planned in various ways to cause the escape of Victor Juno, but always failed to see his way clear. However, he might furnish the half-starved man with better and more food, until he regained his strength when a cold chisel and heavy hammer might answer his purpose. Besides, he might leave the bolts in Victor Juno's dungeon doors slipped, a few days previous to his attempt to escape, when he would not be working in that department on the time Victor should make his escape. This would remove suspicion from Jemmy. Moreover, he might furnish Victor Juno with a rope, which undoubtedly should be of great service to him. All this Jemmy did, and he informed Victor which way to leave the asylum, on what day and in the middle of the night, as near as he could do so. Jemmy did not worry so much about Miss Lucinda Armington as he did over Victor Juno, because she had comfortable quarters. Besides, her father was in Europe. But Victor was in a dark, damp, sickly cell, where death surely would end his miseries in a short time. 
unless he was set at liberty. Moreover, his business was suffering by this most foul incarceration. When Jemmy had given Victor Juno all the trappings and information, he made an excuse to visit some of his relatives in the country, who were sick, and the physician-in-chief, being willing to grant any favor to his most faithful overseer, permitted Jemmy a week's leave of absence. As Jemmy was about quitting the asylum for the purpose of making his visit, Deacon Rob Stew entered the institution, and at once confronted Jemmy and said, "'Come with me, instantly, and hesitate not, or I'll blow your Irish brains out with this pistol, you vile conspirator.'" End of chapter 19 Recording by Meg Turasek.